Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. You all know me as Obi-Wan Casey. Oh, I wasn't prepared for this. Uh, my name is is Matt Beep Beep Boop Beep. Wow, that was that was uh, that was sad. I thought you would have been like Qui Gon Matt or something. But oh, uh, that would that would have been way better. Beep Beep Boop Beep. I mean, come on, I, man. That was a droid. Seriously, that's what was, was that a droid? Is that was that what that was? That was a yes. droid. I, I, yes. I didn't know that was a droid. <laughs> Anyway, welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast, everybody. Um, in case you can't tell by the title of the episode or by our introduction, we are discussing Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. And a couple weeks back, we had mentioned this that we were going to kind of start in on this. You know, obviously, you know that we did the Infinity Saga series back in in October and November, and we released an episode a day for twenty-two episodes straight. Uh, and it was an amazing, it was supposed to be a lead up to Black Widow, which obviously Black Widow got postponed. It looks like it's going to get postponed again now. All that said, we thought, you know what, it's about time for us to maybe dive into the Star Wars history and the Star Wars saga, if you will, Skywalker saga, but we're not going to do it daily. That's first of all, we both got full-time jobs. We're both tired. Um, that's just not something that's feasible, but you know, start with the first one and just kind of work our way through casually every couple of weeks and, and discuss our thoughts. Is that about right, Matt? Yeah, we don't necessarily have a timeline. So, I mean, don't don't hold us to it's been two weeks, it's been three weeks, it's been a month where we're not necessarily don't have a timeline. Just we're just going to start working through it and we'll sprinkle this in every so often. So, um, as always, stay subscribed and you'll know when stuff is coming. Now, what I will say is this. We did have a conversation briefly about what order we were going to watch these in or what order we were going to do these in. And I honestly don't remember why we settled on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I just think it, I don't know. It just made sense to do it from a chronological perspective. We briefly talked about it, whether we were going to do like four, five, six, one, two, three, seven, eight, nine. But I think we just decided that I think most people in most people who are, new to star wars you've never seen it before i think a lot of them just start with episode one and move forward it does seem to be the general trend even though a lot of diehard fans will say start four five six and then go one two three so you know i've actually heard an argument from a diehard fan about starting with one because you know this is the argument now that i have kids of like okay well when it's time to show my daughter star wars which one do i start with four or one and and kind of i had always ran into people that were like four hands down four 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 don't show them anything else but I, I had a parent say, we started with one, and here's why. Because you get the Anakin Skywalker get attached to him. And so then in episode five, episode six, when Luke is trying to like reach out and say, Father, I know you're in there, come back. There's this whole like more emotional state that your kids are attached to Anakin. Like, yeah, he is good. Oh, my goodness. And I, I had never thought of that uh, before. Yeah, so that, that's can, an yeah. interesting argument for starting with one. I kind of I can. Well, and again, you guys all know my history with Star Wars. I watched them in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine order. I am that person. So for, you know, my first entry into Star Wars um was 
the Phantom Menace. I remember watching it as I was gearing up on my DVD. I was gearing up to go see um, Revenge of the Sith back in 2000, whatever that was, um, with my friend Sam and my friend Brian. And um, I remember I remember preparing for it. And then I remember, here's the funny thing, is I remember leaving after watching that it was so pumped up because revenge of the sith which we'll get to is an i think it's an amazing movie it's one of my top three and um i remember coming home and i had four five and six on dvd i'm like all right i'm gonna, I'm gonna pop four in and i remember ending four going oh man what a letdown like it was just a complete letdown after watching one two especially three but but i and i think again people kind of see four and they hold it up to this giant light because it was the original. But if you didn't watch it in that original state as the original, I don't know if you have that same attachment to it. Um, so it is really interesting, but yeah. So, so I, I, starting with I, let me, one. yeah, yeah let, me, let me start here by saying this, that uh, you, you listeners, you need to know that both Casey and I, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Casey, but I don't think I am that we are pro prequel movies like we, we like them we're not in the camp of we don't like them i am i am pro episode one and episode three i am not a huge fan of episode two um i i've never never enjoyed that um the whole idea of the war and i don't worry, i love general grievous i love general and T- count dooku too i like count dooku not count dooku as well i just i've never enjoyed two as much but i am with you i am a pro prequel guy i do i do i am not one of those fans that says oh my god the prequels are the worst thing in the world but i'm also a pro sequel guy too where i think you and i differ on that i enjoy the sequel trilogy as well yeah maybe i've let on more and i don't want to get ahead of ourselves now but i think i've let on more that i i disliked the you know seven eight nine more than maybe what i actually do um but I, I, maybe I didn't, you know, I didn't see the prequels when they came out. You know, this was 1999, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, I, I was still a scared little boy that I, I couldn't handle action movies. I also couldn't handle theaters just because it was dark. It was, there were scary things. I didn't like that. So I had seen four when I was a kid and, and I think even a little bit of five, but, uh, one, I didn't see much later. And so, and I remember watching it and being like, ah, this is, fun I, I i enjoy this movie yeah i mean there's some things about it that i don't necessarily like which we'll get into in a little bit but overall i i i'm a little bit perplexed at i shouldn't say i'm perplexed i know why it, i know why but <laughs> it, it still is perplexing of like why why does this movie get this much hate yeah i don't i don't and even when i was watching this last week um when I was preparing for the episode, you know, I sent you that text. I said, you know, it's, I I don't understand why it gets the rap that it does. And I know I laughed when you said why kind of, but no, I I honestly don't. I mean, again, there are some moments that are cringeworthy, but even the moments that are cringeworthy, uh, like, okay, for me, trying to figure out the best way to word this so i didn't see it in the theater either i again i saw it on dvd as i was gearing up for revenge of the sith here's why i think that it gets the flack that it gets the star wars fan base they're a pain in the butt i'm sorry to put it that way but 
die and if i offend you out there i'm sorry you're listening to my podcast you're gonna have to listen to this for a second (laughs) Uh, this goes on i mean we we, i had we had that whole episode very early on the star wars rant and and this is going to harken back to that i don't understand what the star wars fan base wants i i really don't because first of all i don't think there is a uh um 100% 100% cohesive fan base. I think the fan base is splintered uh, all over the place. And I've said this multiple times that the Star Wars fan base, the gamut runs 40 plus years because there are people who the original trilogy is their Star Wars. This movie is 21, going to be 22 years old here. Um, this trilogy is their Star Wars. And the new trilogy is the Star Wars for a new generation. So we've got three different generations of fans. And what I think frustrates me the most is that I think sometimes when we say the Star Wars fan base, quote unquote, we're just assuming it's always this original fan base who likes the original trilogy and what they say goes. And that frustrates me because, yeah, they they like the, the first three. But there's also a fan base that's just as equally important who likes this three. And there's a fan base just as equally important who likes the, the other three. And who is anybody to say that you're wrong, I'm right, vice versa? This and does have what, flaws. But you know what I'm saying? And I think what frustrates me even more about that is there's certain parts of the prequels that everybody loves. I have never heard a Star Wars fan, and if there's one out there, please let us know, that says, you know what I hated? Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. That was horrible. Like, no one's ever said that. I have only ever heard positive things of people like, yep, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Boom. Done. Everybody loves that. And and elements that have followed the storyline from this point, from that point forward, Many of them come from the prequels. The whole idea of uh, the balance of the force, the, 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 do you refer to the prophecy? The whole that there can only be two, uh, 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 an apprentice and a, or a, you know, an apprentice and a master. That comes from these prequels. The, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are scores of you know, Star Wars canon or Star Wars Legends material out there, which, again, is in reading up on this movie, is one of the reasons why Lucas decided to kind of come back into this. And, and, you know, he kind of gave up and said, I, you know, I don't want to do star Wars anymore. And then there was a resurgence in people who were interested in, in star Wars with all the reading material that was out there. But a lot of the canon, a lot of the stuff that, that we think about now with the sequels, some of this, a lot of it dates back to what happened in these prequel movies. Um, And to your point, again, characters that we beloved i mean mace windu for crying out loud who does not love samuel L. jackson as mace windu right i mean like that i completely agree with you so I, I i i i think what it ultimately comes down to is that sometimes the quote-unquote star wars fan base is we we, we kowtow to this fact that the, that the that the star wars fan base is just the original trilogy fan base but the reality is they are just one segment of it, and but they're usually the loudest. And so what yeah. they say is usually is what's represented in the media or whatever. And that's honestly not just Star Wars. That's anything in life. Um, you know, I, I, I yeah. work in I, I've worked in a lot of churches and the people who are the loudest are the ones that don't like what you're doing. But they're a really small sect of people. Um, so I, like that just that's um, 
that that just is what it is. Um, okay, so before before we get into like you know favorite parts of the movie, least favorite parts, I, I have to say I forgot what 1999 was like, and so I was fascinated that when this trailer dropped again, you are coming off of only, I have to put myself in this world of there's only four, five, six. So there's only the original trilogy and episode one trailer drops. Nowadays, you would just watch it 60,000 times on YouTube Mm -hmm. in 1999. That didn't happen. So people were buying tickets to movies, watching the trailer and then leaving. They had no intention of watching the movie. They just wanted to see the Star Wars trailer. So people were paying like $8 to watch a trailer. That just seems insane to me in being a world now where I can watch a trailer over and over again. That was just, I I forgot 1999 didn't have internet. (laughs) No, it it absolutely are 100%. I mean, I think back to 1999, 1999 for me, because I think this was what, like November 1999. uh, I would have been... junior a junior in high school so i remember i was working at my my mom's store it was called gags and gifts it was in michigan um i worked there she was my you know that was my first job i remember when we got in we used to carry these life-size giant cutouts and we got the jar jar binks one in and we got the the um uh the i think the darth maul one in i think we had a darth vader one already but I remember we also got the official movie poster in. Oh my God, we could not keep this thing in stock. People were buying it up left and right. And I remember how cool that movie poster was because it was, you know, Anakin with his shadow casting the Darth Vader shadow. And it was just this really cool thing. And I just, I remember the Star Wars buzz, the craziness of of that time period. It was in, and, and again, I wasn't part of it. I wasn't. I wasn't interested in it at all, but I remember just being in the madness of working at the store at the time. But yeah, you're right. As far as the trailer thing, I read that too. I'm like, oh man, you're right. Nowadays, it just drops. Like, I don't know. Did you watch the new WandaVision trailer for tomorrow? Oh yeah. And the other one um, I've been watching is the um, Raya and the Last Dragon, the new I haven't um, watched that one yet, but I saw it dropped. Yeah. Yeah. But no, but the WandaVision one, I watched that one drop. It must have dropped today or yesterday, whatever. Uh, first of all, we're going to do a WandaVision episode, so no spoilers right now. I don't even think we could spoil it if we wanted to, but holy smokes, it looks like it's about to ramp up tomorrow. Um, yeah, for, for listeners out there, we are recording this before episode four drops, so yeah, I don't know yeah. what spoilers we could get. <laughs> yeah, really. It, 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 I mean, I, I will tell you, I just as a side note, I watched episodes one and two. I wasn't sure how I felt about it. If the, I am so thankful they dropped them together because if it had just been one, it would have been like, no, thank you. Two got better, but I was still a little unsure. But after watching episode three, it was like, all right, I'm feeling it now. I'm totally feeling it. So now that four, it looks like it's going to completely explode. So yeah. anyway, back so, to the um, yeah, 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 back to episode one. Uh, so favorite part? What's what's your favorite part? Favorite character? Whatever. Um, oh, uh, what you got? Goodness. Um, so I have always, I, I guess, been partial to to Liam Neeson's character. I've always liked Qui Gon. Um, I've liked. You know, it's funny rewatching it. I, I feel like he has this air of professionalism, of you know, duty. Of I'm, I'm trying to think the best way to put it. He has this air of, 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 of he is kind of 
Um, he's in control of the situation. I don't know if that's what you're trying to say, but that's kind of how I feel about it. Like he's yes, in control but, of what's going on. But he's also got a rebellious streak. And, you know, when he kind of defies the Jedi Council, you know, with the idea of, well, I'm going to train him, you know. So, you know, he is in control of the situation. He, you know, you, I just remember thinking, seeing him years ago when I first watched the movie, he had this authoritative kind of vibe. Now he still has it, but he's also got a rebellious vibe too. And I just, I've always enjoyed his character. I hate that he ends up dying in the movie, although, you know, he's able to communicate with, you know, with Qui-Gon, obviously at the end of episode three and and Yoda arranges that. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that um, his voice is used um, for the voiceover for Ray in the sequel trilogy. I think he's one of the ones that calls out to Ray or his voice is used when she has the lightsaber, when she has the final duel, I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. I believe, but, I believe but, you're right on that one. But yeah, so he, I would say from a favorite character perspective, he is probably my favorite character. How about you? Um, I mean, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan um, are, are kind of, I, I like them as a pair. I think they, that Liam Neeson and Ian, Ian McGregor do a great job on screen and yeah. with, with, um, you know, having the relationship of master versus apprentice but we you know we we enter into obi-wan's story kind of as he's nearing the end of his training um and 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 i think that's a an interesting time to come into something uh where you know we think a padawan is oh it's someone who's learning well no we're seeing it 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 would be essentially like obi-wan's senior year of high school or something like that um i I would uh, also say that i really enjoy the scenes on Coruscant. I, I always, not just this movie, but in all three of the movies, I really, I feel they do a really good job of painting what like a, a planet sized metropolis would be like, especially a capital city. Um, being the politics junkie that I am, I love the scenes in the galactic Senate too. I actually enjoy the, the kind of the back and forth, the parliamentary, kind of stuff that goes on there and the way that, you know, Queen Amidala calls for a, a, a you know, a vote of no confidence and kind of what happens there. The I actually enjoy how Senator Palpentine kind of, um, you know, this is like his grand scheme. It's he's the puppet, ma- puppet master. Well, I, and, gonna, and that's, go ahead. that was my other favorite character is Palpatine because yeah. this is overarching through one, two and three, but you, you start to, you know, I, I often am critical of stories that give away the ending. Um, but I, in this case, I love that we know that Palpatine is the ultimate Sith Lord. Yeah. And you're watching the manipulation happen. And so you're sitting there as the audience going, no, don't fall for this. No, (laughs) Um, but also understanding how people can fall for that. And, and overall, I mean, that's another thing that the prequel trilogy is a really nice job. The whole Palpatine manipulation, getting into power, all this stuff is really, really well done. And I I really enjoy all of that. Well, and to that point, I also want to add, you know, this was my first watch through of the prequel trilogy since finishing rise of skywalker now mind you i had seen last jedi i had seen you know force awakens but this was my first watch through of the of the of the phantom menace since since the whole saga was complete and 
I I will say that watching it with the lens of what happens over the course of the what 60 plus years from this point over to the end of the saga, whatever that is, watching it in that time frame, I'll also say that I kind of had a some some less rose-colored lenses on the Jedi Council than maybe I did the last time I watched it. Because, you know, when I see the Jedi Council here, originally you feel secure, you feel safe, you feel like they're in control, like they're the guardians of the galaxy, you know, of the Republic, just like Obi-Wan says. But knowing what I know now that, you know, by the end of when we get to, you know, Rise of Skywalker, that there isn't really this whole there's an absolute good and there's an absolute evil that there's actually this thing in between and kind of how Ray breaks the mold of what a Jedi is. You know, I, I will say that, you know, you, you can kind of see and, and I'll also add probably the Mandalorian too has clouded this a little bit for me where you kind of see how the Jedi in some ways are kind of like a little bit of a cult, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think that between rise of Skywalker and the Mandalorian, my rose-colored lenses of who the Jedi are are probably not as rosy, you know? <laughs> yeah, you you definitely get a complete story. This is one of the things that I like about The Mandalorian is that it kind of shows the underbelly of all of this. Yeah. You know, definitely the the Skywalker saga, for the most part, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's definitely the underbelly where in, you know, Java's palace and things like that, but you're getting Coruscant where this is your governing bodies that are are supposed to be governing for all the people in all the galaxy but you see the failures of that you know in in i'm gonna preach the clone wars again shocker i know um there's later in the seasons there's a lot of story arcs of war weariness and systems saying we can't keep going like this. Where's this money coming from to fund this war? We're going to all go bankrupt. Okay, fine. Great. We win this war, but we're going to bankrupt ourselves. And so, you know, that that's another, you know, piece to the puzzle with, you know, like you said, the Mandalorian with the episode seven, eight, nine that, yeah, you know, I remember first time seeing this movie, you, you very much have this revered version, revered view of, the Jedi council. And as you piece more together of the stories, I, I, I agree. You start to kind of go, eh, you know, I mean, not saying that they're outright evil, but there's some flaws in this too. Yeah. Well, and again, they're, they're very much cult like in, in the way they're, they're following. I mean, there are so many parallels between the Jedi and, you know, to say the Catholic church in some ways, you know, like, you know, uh, vows of celibacy with the Catholic church versus, you know, you can't fall in love with, you know, if you're a Jedi, because love leads to loss, loss leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate, you know, all, hate leads the path of the dark side. I mean, exactly what happens to Anakin is that he's afraid to lose. Fear is ultimately what makes him turn. But no, I just, and again, I'm not saying the, the Catholic church is a cult, but as a Christian, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you can definitely see how cult leaders and how cult like things can happen. And, and the Jedi in this case, they're so rigid in their beliefs. Um, I mean, even to the point that, you know, they don't want to take Anakin on. Now we could argue that the reason why they don't take Anakin on and the way they don't accept him is one of the reasons why he leads the dark side. Like had they accepted him the way that, that uh, Qui-Gon wanted, 
you know, the, the conversation would be, had they accepted him and not been as critical, had Mace Windu not pushed him as hard and been as skeptical, would Anakin have had those same problems? You know, there's always a lot of what ifs there, but um, I just, I just, I just wanted to say that, you know, that whole idea of seeing the arc of everything, that's what the clarity of 20 plus years, plus all this extra content gives you. Well, um, and, and what yeah. I think makes these movies, you know, we talk about this all the time in the podcast, rewatchability. Now, I think even in a vacuum, these movies are very rewatchable. But as I mean, we're about to get a ton more Star Wars content. Yeah, I mean, it, it's coming. We're going to get a lot more of it. And I think this just increases the rewatchability for the exact point that you just gave. We now can have more pieces to the puzzle with more looks at what's going on in different places in the galaxy with different people and different systems, whether it's, you know, nearer to Coruscant or whether it's in the outer rim, it it doesn't matter. You're getting more of this complete picture and that changes how you look at a movie, even movies like episode four, five, six, it's going to change I, I know like Rogue One changed how I saw the beginning of four. And oh, totally. um, yeah. And so y- you you definitely as we get more stuff, it increases the rewatchability of all of these movies. Now I can't remember when it, I know Rogue One happens right before episode four. Solo, does that take place between two and three or is that supposed to happen after three? Um, Hang on. Solo, a Star Wars story. I think that happens after three Timeline. immediately after three, but I don't, I don't, it know. takes around, it takes uh yeah, it's uh roughly two decades after the Phantom Menace around four, 11 to 14 years before a new hope. Okay. So it's kind of smack dab in the middle then. So it, it, yeah. it kind of, okay. All right. So it's like three ends a couple years into it. Then you go into solo, which would make sense because I mean, solo was young in a new hope. He was probably in a, 30s i would say in a new home probably. so so probably in his 20s that makes sense okay yeah that makes sense yeah because he ends oh. up he ends up i think at the end of solo that's when he gets the call to head over that, that's when he goes to meet jabba and that's when that whole relationship starts yeah absolutely so okay um, so uh, who was what yeah. was your sorry what were we gonna say i i think i'm about to launch into exactly what you're about to launch into right. least favorite what parts the least favorite part go ahead i'll let you go first um, okay. We have to address the elephant in the room here and it's Jar Jar Binks. Um, possibly the most polarizing character in all of star Wars, uh, maybe until like seven, eight, nine came out, but I, I still don't think there's a character that's as polarizing as Jar Jar Binks. And I'm not saying he's a great character. Oh my gosh. I love him, but I also don't think he's as bad as what people think he is but he's still not necessarily my favorite part um, let me ask some you of this, this about let me ask you about th- yeah. this about him would your i was thinking about this would your opinion of him change if he his voice was not as high and he didn't talk in the crazy way so if the character was the same so in other words he played the same role in terms of you know who he was he was a gungan you know all that stuff but his voice was a little bit more mo- moderated and he wasn't as hard to understand. Would you appreciate the character more than, than the way he is now? No, because it is actually not the voice that does it for me. All right. It's 
he's just the clumsiest character in the world. And it just, you, you're, I'm watching him on screen going, Oh my gosh, just, uh, uh." and then like his whole thing is like his clumsiness just works out for him. Like in the final battle on Naboo where there's something stuck (laughs) to his foot. He just like, (laughs) like that. Like I, I just, it's like, Oh my gosh. Like I, I guess maybe I, I like watching more of the, skilled lightsaber or skilled to the blaster or whatever, rather than just I'm a huge klutz and I just klutz my way into uh, uh, wonderful things. And I, that's what I don't like about the character. Honestly, the voice really does not bother me that much. So see for me, uh, my, my problem with him is first of all, I think I honestly think his character himself. I like, I like the part he plays. I like how he's on the outs with his own people. I like how he kind of, over time, as we get into two and three, he he becomes a senator himself. He kind of matures. You don't hear him as much. And I think that's one of the reasons why I asked this question is because in two and three, he matures. He matures into a senator, and he's less of a, less of, I guess he is also less of a klutz, so I guess that's maybe to your point as well. But my problem is is the dialogue in this. I know they were trying to add some comedic relief. I get it. I also know they were trying to sell toys. Let's, I mean, let's just call it for what it is. They were trying to sell toys. I get it. But some of the dialogue he has, like, they go, st- they do such a great job with um, the other languages that get spoken in the Star Wars universe that the languages they that he speaks and the way that he speaks and some of the stuff that, like, like, it's almost like a child talking in English. It wasn't, there was no thought put into it. It's almost like, like Lucas said, all right, this is going to be some filler. We'll add it in later. And they never added it in later. Is what it felt <laughs> like to me. You, you know, like that, that was my frustration and I don't blame Ahmed best for it. I think, I think it was, it was my, it was my beep, beep, boop at the beginning and I'll just edit something in later. <laughs> that's that's that. Okay. Fair enough. I'm going to forget to edit it in. <laughs> Yeah, but that's that's what it feels like. It's like Lucas said, just say whatever and we'll fill it in later. But they never did. But personally, I don't have an issue with with Jar Jar. I I I I I I've always kind of liked Jar Jar. I know there was the whole thing going around that he's a racist stereotype for for Arab Americans and you know all this stuff. And I don't know if I if I buy into that. I think Ahmed. I think it's Ahmed Best. Ahmed Best got got like lanced for for you know his portrayal of it but there is a segment of the star wars fan base that actually appreciates him for what he did and i know when we were at star wars celebration he got they did an interview with him and they did he had a huge standing ovation so like there's a huge portion of the star wars fan base that that you know appreciates what he did but um and of course there's that theory that floats around that he was originally supposed to be the mastermind of everything i don't know if i buy into that have you ever heard that theory (laughs) Oh, I, I've read up on that theory, and honestly, that would be something that if that had happened, if Episode Nine drops and sixty-six <laughs> oh, percent of the way through the movie, it is Darth Jar Jar. <laughs> I, I'm curious what people would think of the character. I'm I'm honestly curious whether people whether there would be people that would be like, I hate this character, but now I love him because I have the whole arc. I'm curious. I, I mean, it, we, we'll never know now. But oh yeah. my gosh, it, it, like I, I, I would have lost my mind if Jar Jar Binks would have came out sixty six percent of the way through Episode Nine and revealed that to would be have been a yeah risk. that would have been a risk for sure that on on uh, on Abrams' part 
All right, I've got to reveal my least favorite part, and you're gonna you're gonna hate me for this. Um, oh, really? I don't like Darth Maul. I don't. I I don't <laughs> like Darth Maul. Um, he's a cool character. I, I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna say he's not a cool character. Here's why I don't like Darth Maul. He is wasted in this movie. He we go from Darth Maul, who frankly has a ton, a ton of dark side power and then we move into two and three and we get grievous we get dooku and i love dooku dooku is supposed to be a better master than maul but i don't get it i don't see it Ma- maul I, I i think that i i i think he was i think lucas was looking for his next darth vader and he got darth maul instead I wish I, I wish we could have seen more out of Maul carried over into some of the subsequent plots as opposed to he gets you you barely see him in this movie. You get the the, the fight scene I think is awesome. The fight scene between him and, and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. But I feel like the thing that the thing that my least favorite is is that you get so little of him in this, but they he's he's being built up and then suddenly he's gone. And of course, yeah. at the time, you don't know he comes back in the in the cartoons. You don't know he's coming back for so. I mean, all that stuff's not even done yet. But you you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's not that I don't like the character. It's that I think it's just he's wasted. Honestly, I, I'm I don't hate you for this comment because I am absolutely in agreement with you. My, okay. The reason why I love Darth Maul is not Episode One. Yes, that's how he was introduced, but. The reason that I like him is because of the continuing story that has been put on him in rebels and clone wars so i'm I'm just going to put a big spoiler alert here i'm going to reference some of the stuff that he does so if you are are watching the series and don't want to know skip ahead a little bit his uh you know discovery that he is alive and um he comes out of madness to he now is trying to kill Darth Sidious and recruits his brother and they go after him and then his ultimate takeover of Mandalore and then his uh he uh sorry thoughts a lot of things that Darth Maul did um he ends up facing off with Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine like there's there's so much more to that character that they pull out that's so so interesting that this movie you're right very much feels like i wish that they would have sprinkled some of that in maybe that's too much but i i I wish this wasn't the last we saw him in the cinematic universe and it almost makes you wonder like did they even know all of that when they introduced him like what you know the one thing that i think that the prequel trilogy benefits from that the sequel trilogy does not benefit from is that Lucas had a plan for the three movies, even if they weren't completely fleshed out, he knew what he wanted to do. So it's like a wonder why did he not use Maul? Did he not anticipate Maul being as hot of a character as he was? I mean, he had to have anticipated that the villain of his next movie was going to be a huge, huge draw for people considering how much Darth Vader is considered you know, uh, one of the, the the top villains of all time. So I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I do wish they would have, we would have seen more of him 
But I guess, you know, given that we are seeing more of him in other material, it makes sense. But I just feel like he's wasted in this. I think the other part of the movie that is my least favorite is, and I, I texted you when I was when I was watching it, I skipped right by the pod racing. Um, <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed the first. Now this is pod racing. <laughs> I I I um I enjoy maybe the first five minutes of it, but it goes on for like twenty flipping minutes. I fast forwarded it through it. I was like, "Are you kidding me? Why?" Like, I I understand that he wanted to have that thrill in there, but I would have much rather had to seen another lightsaber battle between Maul and Obi Wan or something. I I don't like. Holy smokes! And and. It, at the end of the day, it has, in my mind, no consequence on the rest of the story. Yeah, you get to see that Anakin's great at piloting a pod, which later pays off for him when he's piloting the 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 the, the airship or whatever. But like, I just, I don't know. I, I I just, I don't know what Lucas was trying to do there. It just was not not my favorite favorite scene. I, I think, I think he was trying to set up what you just said. He's trying to set up. Well, a, I mean, it's the you know, how, you know, Anakin is, is, is then allowed to go with Obi-Wan or uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. And yes, it's the plot line of look, look how great of a pilot he is, but I, I don't know. Did I really need the, like you said, 15 to 20 minute pod race to show that plot point? I'm not sure that I did. Yeah. Um I, I agree with you. It's not I, I I maybe don't dislike it as much as you, but I, I agree the 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 scene gets a little bit stale. And I think maybe here's where it gets stale for me is he's not not gonna win. And so to me the suspense like I remember even the first yeah, time I watched it. That's a good this, point. That's a really good yeah. point. Like you the, know the, he's I mean, clearly Anakin Skywalker is alive and we know what happens of him. So you're right, there's like the suspense is gone. Yeah, the suspense <laughs> is gone of like, oh, is he gonna win? It's like, no, he's gonna win. Let's just move on and and how he wins like yeah it's kind of cool where he like fixes the engine at the last minute and does a loop-de-loo over Sebulba and oh really cool but I, I wouldn't say that that's like the most amazing thing ever oh my gosh what a classic movie moment that that just doesn't it, it's fine yeah. it's just it's very vanilla I guess is is the best way to describe it I will say that the other thing that gets me with this movie movie that obviously it gets better with time, even with two and then especially with three, but this one, holy CGI 1989 Batman. Like, <laughs> like I love CGI graphics and my God, they have come a, a long, long way. Thank God they've come a long way because like watching the CGI in this, like even like Jabba the Hutt CGI in this was like, Oh, that's horrible. And, and I remember I watched it as I was watching it and I remember thinking to myself, I'm going, why does Yoda look so much better in CGI than every, all the other CGI that's in here? And then I just read up that for the Blu-ray release, I had no idea this happened for the Blu-ray release. They edited out all the puppet content. Apparently they did an original, they originally did him with puppets and yeah. they put in a CGI Yoda, but the CGI Yoda was inserted almost 10 years later. So the CGI of 2008 or 2009 was better than the CGI of 1997, 1998 when they were producing this thing. Of course, it's going to look better. You know, if you think about this, this comes out in 1989, which means they were working out in 97, 98. That is only six to seven years 
after Jurassic Park came out, which at the time was kind of like the 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 like the main like that was like the main goalpost of CGI at the time. So, and I'll tell you, I still think Jurassic Park CGI looks better than this. I I, I don't know some like some of the spaceships and the stuff that was going. I just eh. so that that's the other thing is that I think the CGI of this pulls me out of this, and I think that's one of the biggest criticisms of this particular movie is that it's too reliant on cgi and i think that maybe lucas recognized that and kind of goes back in the other direction in less cgi when you get into two and three well and and even you with seven eight nine you started to see how many more practical effects they and costumes they used versus cgi so I, i i think and in general i think filmmaking is going back towards hmm how can we make this more practical looking rather than just CGIing everything? You know, the, yeah. I think the crux of this uh, was when uh, Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie came out and they CGI'd the mask on him. And I was like, why? Does it really cost you that much to put a mask on? Like, this is not why do we need to CGI this? And and I, I think we saw the pendulum swing and I think we're seeing it swing back. I completely agree. Um, anything else you want to add about um, the movie? Yeah, real quick. Uh, we referenced the you know final battle between Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Darth Maul. And I, I really like that scene where like the doors are closing, the ray shields, and yeah. the tension. As uh, real quick, though, I want to I wanna ask a question about that real quick. What is the practical purpose of those ray shields? I have like, no idea. That's what I'm trying to figure out. I was watching that and I was like, I gotta bring this up. And I'm so I'm glad you brought that up. What would they actually serve other than to do what they did, blocking Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon from the fight? Like they were there for suspense, totally get you. But like, what's the practical purpose? Like I, I couldn't figure that out. <laughs> okay. I have just Googled it and now I'm right. on a Reddit. Okay. Um, so of, of course you can, um, you can go with an, Oh, okay. This may actually make sense. Uh, the ray shields are there to act as layers of protection in case of an explosion. But then the person, uh, uh, responds saying plausible, but why would they need to open and close at a set interval time like that? <laughs> I, I agreed. I, I think it was literally to add suspense. I don't think there's a, which it works. I like the scene, but yeah, from a, like when you start to go a layer deep and think, wait, why are they doing this? I don't know. Maybe we need to research the uh, ins and outs of how engineering on star Wars ships works, which I'm sure is out there. Um, So if anyone knows the answer to that, tweet at us, Instagram, (laughs) Facebook, us, email us, let us know. We'd love to be educated. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, it has been, a great episode. Who knows when we'll get to number two, probably in a couple weeks, couple months, who knows? Um, but it's been a great episode and we really do appreciate you. Um, appreciate you, you listening in and tuning in. Um, yeah. If you want to get a hold of us, it's closing time. You can do that at beers and ears, 1928 at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at the beers and ears podcast. Uh, you can also tweet us beers, ears, 1928. Um, you can also find us on Instagram beers, ears, 1928. Uh, so yeah, lots of different ways to get a hold of us. Make sure if you're not subscribing, subscribe to us. That's how we get more listeners. Rate and review us. How do you say it? Five stars, five stars, right? You bet. And uh, Matt, I think it's closing time. 
Well, let's raise that glass, or raise that glass of blue milk, I guess. Is that what we're drinking tonight? It um, is. In fact, I have a special toast. Uh, when you close everything out, I'm going to say one last thing, so close this up. Okay. Uh, this episode's been on us, and we'll see you next time. Roger, roger. Roger, roger. Roger, roger. Roger, roger. Roger, roger.